Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, welcome to the show today, everybody. One of the things we love to do on the show is to introduce our our listeners to new artists that we think you're going to be hearing a lot more in the future. And today's guest is no exception. I came across him when I was inquiring about having another rising jazz artist on the show. When I listened to his music, his, his first couple of releases, I thought to myself, wow, I like, I like this guy's music and he's pretty good. So let's see about getting him on the show. He hails from New Zealand which is where he joins us from today and where it is the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> he got up, uh, got up super early to be on the show this morning, so I appreciated that. Um, he graduated with honors from New Zealand School of Music with a degree in jazz performance. He, when he was in high school, he got a chance to play the Monterey Jazz Festival. He's gone on and shared the stage with the likes of Jonathan Butler, and I have a sense that he's going to be one of those artists we have in heavy rotation in the future. Please welcome to the show, saxophonist, flautist, and keyboardist, Alex Churchill. Alex, thanks for joining us today. It's the biggest pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. So as I mentioned, you're joining us from New Zealand today. And what time is it there right now? It is almost 4.30 in the morning. Almost 4.30 in the morning. I tell you, that's some real dedication. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard for me to get up at 7.30 in the morning. So for you to get up at 4.30 in the morning and be ready to do this, that's some real dedication. So yeah. I have to say, you know, listening to your music, there's a strong R&B and smooth jazz influence. What are the R&B and smooth, smooth jazz scenes like in New Zealand? To be perfectly honest with you, it's actually not that big of a scene. Yeah. Down here in New Zealand, it's mostly uh, reggae is probably and pop, indie and folk music. Like that's probably our biggest and most popular genres down here. But there is a small R&B scene and the smooth jazz scene is even smaller. So not that many opportunities to play, but I'm, there, there's a couple of venues where this music is starting to creep in more often, but it's still good. It's still good down here. So how did you get connected into those genres? How did you find those genres? Well, actually, after I graduated from university, Andrea Lisa, another artist that I work with and been performing with for a long time, uh, we actually went to the same university together and we were in the same course and okay. we played together a lot. And... After I graduated university, she asked me to join her band. Okay. And her band was put together specifically for her original music. And we also played some covers of like some Kirk Whalen tunes and a lot of music by Jonathan Butler and um, a lot of other smooth jazz artists and also contemporary R&B and old school R&B artists. And she was the one who actually introduced me to this world. Okay. And I fell in love straight away. And I've been a huge fan of it, and I've been playing it, and all my music and everything I do has been in this world ever since. Okay, great, great. So what was it about that music that drew you? The feeling behind it, you know, mm-hmm. there's just something about the, the way, that the emotion and the harmony and the lyrics that people sing, it just has a lot more meaning, you know, to, it draws on your heartstrings, you know, yeah. it just makes you feel things that a lot of other music that I I still love, obviously, as a musician yeah. and an appreciate music, but it's this style of music that just resonates deeply within me and just makes me feel, you know, just like this is just no greater feeling in the world, yeah, basically. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. I, I still remember the day that I found this music. I was, a, I was a junior in high school. 
one morning on a Saturday morning, I heard my older brother who was always had the new music. I heard him playing something and I went into his room and I'm like, what is this? And it was David Sanborn's Royer album. Right. And mm. from that moment, I was, I was kind of sold on this music and this music has really kind of been my go-to. So I know exactly what, what, what you mean when you say it just, it pulls on something within you, you know, and then from that moment you're kind of hooked. And so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you play multiple instruments. Is saxophone your primary or are you equally is, adept? Yeah. Okay, sax is your primary, right? Okay, yeah. and so what is it about the saxophone that you like and what, who are some of those saxophone players that, you, that have inspired you? Yeah, so my parents would always tell me when I was a little kid, if I heard the saxophone being played out on the radio or on the TV or something, they tell me I was like a meerkat. Being really young, I was like eight, nine years old. I wasn't even entirely sure what it was. But I still remember Christmas morning when I was nine years old, my parents had saved up enough money and there was a Boston alto saxophone just sitting there. Uh-huh. And I would just open up the case and just look at it. Huh. I was also kind of in a, I was just in awe of it. Yeah. I was even afraid to touch it at huh. first. I would just open the case and just look at it. And then I still remember going to my first lesson and I was just super, super excited I was in a class of about 10 to 15 students and then I was just practicing so much to the point where I was like even trying to tr- practice at six o'clock in the morning as a nine-year-old. Uh-huh. And wow. My neighbors absolutely hated me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but then I still remember as the time went on, I kept practicing more and more and more trying to push myself and the rest of the class getting smaller and smaller when, you know, kids yeah. dropping out you know i don't want to do this anymore and it just grew from there and then i went to a really really great high school that was known in new zealand for having a really strong jazz program okay because our director our musical director he was from the united states and he really inspired me and that's actually when i picked up the tennis saxophone because huh. i went to him as like a freshman at the school and i said hey, I play alto saxophone. Like, I really want to join this jazz band because it was an award-winning band Like that already played at the Monterey Jazz Festival a couple of times, won the national competition in New Zealand multiple okay. times. And I said, okay, great. Do you play tennis saxophone? And I said, what's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> because I actually didn't even know. That <laughs> me being a naive young little kid, I had no idea there were more. Then he went down to the storeroom in the school, handed me this giant case for a tennis saxophone, and here's me, like a shorter, really tiny little kid. So that's when I started falling in love with a tennis saxophone. Okay. And I had a saxophone teacher at that school who originally, he started playing me John Coltrane, Michael Brecker, like all the traditional jazz artists. And then I had a cousin who actually gave me some Kenny G albums to listen to. Okay. So that was actually my very first introduction to the smooth jazz world. Uh Uh-huh. And then, yeah, it just continued growing from there. That's awesome. So it sounds to me like you pretty much knew you always wanted, always knew you wanted to be a musician. Is that true? I think so. There wasn't much else in school I was really good at. Uh-huh. Um, music was the one class I was always looking forward to the most. That's cool. That's cool. So in addition to being a musician, you're also helping to manage the career of someone we just spoke about, Andrea Lisa who you've worked with quite a bit in the past. How, how did that part come about? You mentioned playing in her band, but now working to help manage her career affairs. How did that come about? Yeah, well, her and I, we are really, really good friends, and we have been for such a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've 
playing in high school together and then we toured together. We were on the road for about seven years as a band. Yeah. We were together for a very, very long time. And within the band, she was obviously the leader of the band and the creative director behind everything. But she relied on me a lot to take on the administrative side of things. Sure. You know, when we were talking to different festivals we were playing at and, you know, we did a lot of contracts and hotels and cruise ships. Yeah. and other things like that. And when she met Kirk Whalem and was offered to play, you know, in his band and tour with him, she then moved to the United States, to Los Angeles. Still, ever since then, she would still occasionally ask me to say, hey, do you want to contact this person for me? Or can we, I've got this potential thing. Do you want to talk to them on my behalf? And mm-hmm. just every once in a while, I'm like, I'm not directly her manager or anything, but every once in a while, she still asks me to just, you know, keep in touch with some other people and yeah. take care of some administrative for her. Because she is in the studio constantly writing and creating new music. She's an incredible guitarist and songwriter. And she's recording and working on things all the time. So that's when she occasionally gives me a call to say, can you take care of this little extra thing for me? Okay, okay. Do you like that side of the business? Or, or you know, is it something you do because it's your dear friend? or It's both. Yeah, okay. Combination of both, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. That's, that's awesome, that's awesome. And then you've also worked with other artists, like you, you work with Jonathan Butler. What was that like? That was really cool. So that was in the first year that the band, we were together. And Jonathan came down to New Zealand he was doing an Australia and New Zealand tour. This was 2012, actually, because uh-huh. it's going back a while. And we were part of the the four of us in the show. We actually got to open for Jonathan and his band. Cool. And we got to hang out with him. And that was just a surreal, incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. He's a fantastic musician. And he puts on one heck of a show. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate to see him a few times, and I'm just in awe every single time. Yeah, yeah. I saw him this past summer, and it was just a phenomenal show. He, I, I think there were probably like eight different artists we saw that weekend, and he was by far, his show was the best. His show was the best. So so is your, what's your goal for your career then, Alex? Is, your, is, it, is your goal to lead your own band, to be a solo artist? What are, what are your goals for your career? It's a combination of a few things. Okay. The biggest goal that I have as a musician and as a performing artist is just to make my audience just leave the show better than they did when they first came in. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal for everything. Obviously, I would love, I'm still working on my individual music as well and being a solo performing artist and playing the festivals and this, like in the United States in that circuit, that would be the ultimate goal and it's something i am still working towards yeah but i do have another job that i'm going to be starting very soon so i have been working in the cruise ship industry for a long time yeah and i've recently just been promoted to the role of a one of the lead install and rehearsal musical directors for celebrity cruise lines okay so that's a big i'm going to be spending a lot of time in miami Next, starting in 2023. Okay. So that's another stepping stone I find, I think is going to help me, you know. Yeah. I'm going to be in the United States a lot more. I'm still working on my visa status right now. And then from there, I think that's also going to help me because I'm going to be in the United States all the time. I'm going to try my, my best, you know, to continue to get into this performing scene yeah. while I still have this other 
something I'm doing on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about that. Like, what's that what, uh, being a, a musical director on a cruise ship? What does that entail? So in my role, basically, it's going to be my job to teach the musicians that we have the shows they're going to be performing in, uh, whether it's a production show or if it's a theme night that specifically features the musicians. Okay. I'm the guy who's going to be teaching them and directing them on the show. And then with the go one, they'll be going into the studios with me in Miami where we learn everything. And then we're going to go out to the actual ship and then install the show on the ship itself. Okay. So these shows are anything from like a show that's based entirely on rock music, or there's another show that we have that's kind of like a 45 minute version of a Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, wow. And then, then you have music, you know, where it just, we, there's a show where it, really predominantly features the horn section, like all the, the best brass and horn music from throughout the years. Okay. And then there's another show which is based on your soul and your Motown and your R&B. And that's the, type, that's the kind of shows that I really like to work with the most. Yeah. So it's, it's basically all genres of music uh-huh. and all kinds of musicians. So yeah, I'll be teaching them the shows and working with them, make sure it's like at that really high level and then getting them out onto the ships and installing the shows there for our for our audiences. That's a lot. That's You got a lot on your plate, man. That's good, though. I do. It's good to be busy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let's take a listen to some of your music. How about we listen to your remake of the Alicia Keys hit, Unthinkable? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This is today's guest, Alex Churchill, with Unthinkable.
we just heard Unthinkable, Alex Churchill's remake of the Alicia, Alicia Keys big hit. So the music that you've released thus far, at least what I can find in the, in the States, has been mostly cover songs. How do you go about selecting those songs that you want to cover? Well, for example, for Alicia Keys and Unthinkable, Alicia Keys is a huge favorite of mine. Mm-hmm artists and songwriters and I've just always been a huge fan probably my favorite song from her again it just comes back down to me and just what resonates with me the most Mm -hmm. it's just a beautiful song in the lyrics and I really just try to emulate that when I play in the saxophone because I always take inspiration from Kirk Whalen when he says like when he's singing through the saxophone he's like an was an extension of of oneself and you've got to pretend you're a singer when you're playing this this piece of metal this cold piece of brass you've got to bring it to life so especially for that song that's what i really tried to go for and yeah again it's something that's really hard to describe yeah yeah it's just something that moves you it sounds like yeah yeah, that's cool though. That's how that's how music should be. It should be. I mean, I know that's what I gravitate to is what moves me, right? And I think that's how that's what makes music so precious and so special. So, what about original music? Are you working on original music right now? I am. Yes, I have some music that are, that is more in the. It's still in the contemporary jazz. Yeah, it's very jazz influenced, but you can feel that R and B and um, soul influence as well. It's like a combination of everything. Yeah. I've also been working with Andrea Lisa because I'm going to be honest, like composing is something that I don't do very often. Mm-hmm. But when I do get some inspiration for something, you know, I'll work on this. I'll make sure it sounds great. And it's to my mind. And then I'll call, collaborate with Andrea Lisa a little bit because okay. her, her songwriting and her compos- composing is on the ultimate highest level. So, and then we work together a little bit on that. So, on this album that I'm currently working on, there will be some original music from me. Great. Yeah. Great. Any idea when uh, people might be able to get their hands on that new work? Well, I'm hoping it'll be sometime in 2023. Great. Of course, with this new job, I mean, things have been, have yeah. been very, very... I literally, I actually, I've been on the road along with the, the pandemic and everything. Now, yeah. with the struggle. I haven't been able to come down to New Zealand for a long time, and I actually just arrived back in the country a couple of weeks ago. Okay. So I've been on the road for about a year and a half, nonstop. Wow. wow. That's a long time. That's a long time. Do you like that much travel, or is that like, yeah, is that a little too much? <laughs> you know? No, no, it's okay for me. I love to travel. I love to see the world, people, and different cultures. I love that, so it's not a problem for me. Yeah. But it's always, of course, good home you know back to your roots yeah that's true that's true home is always good but yeah it is kind of nice to be out there and especially like you mentioned the pandemic i mean that took so many of us that caused so many of us to just like have to stand still and it's nice to be able to get back out and and experience new things and new people now so that's great good for you so leads me to this question do you prefer like, is there, is there a part of the music-making process that you prefer, either the being on stage and performing for people or being in the studio creating? Or do you, are they both equal? Do they both serve important pieces of who you are? They're both important to me, but I think performing for me was, is just, there's just no greater feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. When you can feel the energy from the audience, you can see what their reaction is, you can feel their reaction even if it's a small club with like 50 people or if I'm in a theater where there's like 
about a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love being on the stage and, you know, just like I'm the type of guy, I'm very animated when I play and when uh-huh. I move and give absolutely everything I have when I'm on that stage. And just to see the audience reaction and to feel it and the, the give and take, the back and forth you can have. I think that's the greatest thing about music. And when, when you can feel and see people being happy when mm-hmm. you're just playing, doing what you love. And like I said in the beginning, like if they leave that audience and they leave that theater club, whatever it is, feeling better than they did when they first came in, yeah. then I can do that a good gig. Yeah, yeah. So what do, you t- what do you do? What does it take for you to get yourself in the right headspace and heart space to go out on stage and perform? I guess trying to eliminate stress and things from your life is a big part of it as much as, as often as possible. Yeah. I like to just try to relax and just clear my mind and just even just put some light, some Kirk Whalum in the background. I always like to listen to him a lot mm-hmm. since he's probably my, my all time favorite saxophonist. So I just relax, just take it easy. I might be, I might treat myself and put pour myself a nice glass of whiskey before a show, you know, just to help loosen you up a little bit. Uh-huh. And then I just, walk on stage and then there's something that just switches, you know, and as soon as you yeah. see the audience and you feel the energy and then it's just go time. All right. All right. What kind of, what kind of whiskey are you pouring? Oh, I'm a Johnny Walker guy. You're a Johnny Walker guy. Okay. 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 It sounds, yeah. you, you the, you're, the people can't see this, but the smile on your face, I can tell that you've tried some others and you have really, la- you've really landed on your favorite, huh? <laughs> With Johnny Walker. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah. I've been very fortunate to, to be traveling a lot and I've got to try a lot of different things myself and the band. We were in France for a long time uh, performing over there and you know, we were very, very lucky and very fortunate. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about travel too, is all the things you get to experience that you might not otherwise. I think that's great. That's great. So, so, okay. So Alex, we have this segment that we do on the show. It's called bout it or doubt it. Okay. If you're if you're about it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you aren't quite feeling. Can we get you to play with us today? Absolutely, let's do it. I started this body by get him up. I mean you body by say you body I doubt it. All right. So Alice, we're gonna spin the wheel and we're gonna get you a category, then we're gonna ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions, okay? Okay. All right. Let's spin the wheel. All right. Oh, Alex, your category today came up as food and drink. So we were just going down that line of questioning. So, all right. About it or doubt it? Wine. I'm about it. You're about it. Okay. So what kind of wine do you like? Actually, I'm a, I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty easygoing as a guy. Okay. I mean, I like... I like red wine. I like white wine. I'm perfectly cool with anything, basically. You know, when it comes to that sort of thing, it's hey, it's, it's great. You're, you're <laughs> down to try it, it, huh? I'm, I'm down. It's good. Yeah. Okay. So when you were in France, well, I can imagine in France you probably had a chance to like try and whiskeys, try some pretty decent wine there, huh? Oh, absolutely. Some of the best in the world, and we were performing at a place where the they would also also always give us a, an aperitif around five o'clock, okay. a glass of red wine. So that's when I started getting into red wine because um, I never actually had it that much before. Yeah. 
and occasionally um, the man we were working for, management, that's when maybe later in the evening they might slip us a little whiskey or something. Okay. So that's when I started getting into it then. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's ask you. Let's, let's, let's do one more about it or doubt it question. About it or doubt it? Chocolate. Oh, I'm totally about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Chocolate for me, I'm a sucker for it, especially dark chocolate around 70, 80%. Uh huh. It's one of my favorite. If you could just give me just some really nice, good, high quality chocolate, whether it's lint or something like that, or even some of the brands we have down here in New Zealand, uh-huh. if you just give me whiskey and some dark chocolate like that, I'm set. I'm good. <laughs> See, now you've got me on to something. Maybe, maybe a whiskey and chocolate pairing as kind of a tasting might be a pretty cool thing, huh? Hey, I'll, I would go to that tasting. Yeah, that'd be kind of a cool thing. Can you get good chocolate down in New Zealand? Oh, absolutely. That's all right, man. That's I tell you, that is, I, I'm a chocolate fan as well, but it definitely has to be the good quality chocolate, you know? There's, I, I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there's a little chocolate shop not too far from my house. And there's another one that's about two hours away from me. Um, well, it's about an hour and a half north of me. And I tell you, every time I get a chance to go there and get something, it's like, okay, you, I, I have to do it. And it's, you know, it's so, it makes, it's, it's so, so, I don't want to sound like a chocolate snob, but that's okay. The chocolate you buy in the grocery stores and things like that is just no comparison to those good quality chocolate shops. Absolutely. I agree. So, when you're working, so you're, you're working on your debut album now. We talked about that coming out in 2023. How do you go about, like, as you're picking songs for that album, like, what's inspiring you for those songs? Is it life experiences? Is it going back to music that you want? Is it, you know, pulling on things that you've been thinking about for years? Like, where are those songs coming from for your new album? Yes. So it's a combination of everything you just said, actually. Okay. These are all songs, the ones that I've chosen so far, and I've actually recorded most... We, I went into the studio in Los Angeles, and we we all we laid down every, all, the, all the stems and all the... Um, basically the rhythm section, and now I'm just going back and working on my end of things and all adding... Um, some uh, some vocalists and some other bits and pieces here and there. These I always knew I wanted to do, do an album. And over the years, every time I heard a song that I absolutely loved, and I felt with the lyrics especially that I had a really strong connection with, it's not really like, oh, I, I like that song. Let's let's record that one. Mm-hmm. It's It has to have something, you know, that I can personally connect with the song, you know, whether it is a life experience or something I'm particularly going through. So that's where I draw the inspiration for that. And some of them, I've been just been putting these songs aside for years on a list that's constantly changing. Wow. I might cross something and then replace it with something else, or I might just bring it back. But Unthinkable, that you heard just before, that's always been at the top of the list. I always knew I had to record that one. Yeah. That arrived on the list, and that never left it. That's awesome. You also had great success with your song, Best of Me, which went to number 36 on the Smooth Jazz Network charts. Will that one be on your album as well? It most certainly will be, yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, let's take a listen to that one. Let's give people a, a sneak a sneak peek at this, at this upcoming work. This is Best of Me.
right, everybody, you just heard today's guest, Alex Churchill, with his song, Best of Me. So that song features Andrea Lisa as well, correct? It does, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you guys collaborate quite a bit, and that's been a relationship that's been going on for quite a while. And it also sounds like, you know, one of both of you guys' influences is is Kirk Whalem. Like, how did you come to, to know Kirk's music and engaging with him? What that's, what's that been like? Oh, that's been incredible. So I still remember one of the first rehearsals I had with Andrea when we were starting to rehearse her original music. We spent a long time in the rehearsal studio working on that, but also on the covers. The first Kirk Whalem song that I ever heard was actually of his his cover of That's the Way Love Goes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever heard him. And Andrea actually put on the CD and was just listening to it. And then I was just like, oh, wow. Like, who's this guy? Uh-huh. And, then, <laughs> and then we started playing more music. The, the first full album I heard from Kirk Whalen was um, his Babyface songbook oh, yeah. album. Yeah. All the music from Babyface. And I, I had that album on repeat in the car everywhere I went. It was, I mean, you could play me that album and I could sing all the solos back to you. I, I transcribed pretty much all the solos on that record. <laughs> and I, this was um, on, like on my MP3 player at the time. I wore that thing out because yeah. it was just on loop. And the, the way we met Kirk actually um, as a band, we were performing for um, celebrity cruises and they are the cruise line that is the vessel that hosts a lot of the music charter cruises. Uh-huh. So Kirk, along with so many other of the best smooth jazz musicians in the world, the smooth jazz cruise was on the ship. We were actually at the re- one of the resident bands for. Okay. And what happened was we, we got there. We were so, so, so surrounded with just all the... T- top smooth jazz musicians in the world. Every passenger on board was a music lover, obviously. So we were in our absolute, we were in our element. And Andrea, she, we actually didn't have any shows planned, you know, because, you know, we were part, we weren't part of the official festival um, cruise lineup. Right. But she went to the, uh, the guy who was in charge for the, for the whole event. And she was constantly asking like, pleading like please 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 like we really really want to play and they were so nice and they actually managed to find a slot that was free okay and they gave they gave us a set and kirk whalem we we invited kirk and a bunch of other musicians and other people to come people came out kirk was there with his wife and that's when he heard us for the first time that's when he heard andrea for the first time and then he, we would go and hang out with him. We had dinner with him a couple of times. He's just one of the nicest human beings I've ever met on the planet. And he and his wife, they're just incredible people. And every time I've gone to the States and gone to one of his shows or like whenever been Andrea's been performing on the road and I've had an opportunity to see one of the shows, yeah, I would always go hang out with her, like, you know, backstage with him and the rest of his band. And they're all just incredible, amazing, down-to-earth, humble people. Some of the most um, nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah. That, you know, it's interesting. You know, I've, I've, his name comes up so much when we do this show and talk to other musicians, you know. And we've had him on the show as well. And he's one of my all-time favorite artists, and his music has had a huge impact on my life. But 
one of the things that like is so consistent is that people talk about with him is like it's really two things. It's one, just how committed he is to his craft, but then two, how nice of a person he is. You know, that just yeah, yeah, it just seems to come across, and that's really great because I think oftentimes too you hear these stories about people and sometimes you wonder as a listener, our fans, like our fans don't maybe get us get a chance. Our listeners to the show, they don't get a chance to be as up close and personal sometimes as those of you that are musicians. And sometimes you wonder how those musicians are as people. Right. And it's always yeah. great to hear other people say, yeah, just a great person. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to having him at our fresh coast jazz festival sometime in the very, very near future. That would be great for and I'm, I'm going to actually mm-hmm. be seeing them in, in just a couple of weeks. Down in Chicago, they're performing, so I'm going to go down and see them in, in just a oh, couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. So, Alex, with all you've done and all you've been through, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life? Well, if, if we were able to foresee what was going to happen in 2020, all I would tell myself back then is just, you know, because sometimes – even as a kid, you know, even as an adult, sometimes you think, you know, you're, you're practicing, you're in the practice room, you're working on something. And there is obviously a lot of uncertainty in this industry and just in life and everything as a whole. And what I would tell myself back then is just don't stop. It's all going to be worth it in the end and it's going to get better. And, you know, you when you love something, you just don't stop. So. Yeah. That's, that's all I would have told myself back that's then. That's great just, advice, though. That's great advice, right? Because in life, you know, there's peaks and valleys, no matter who you are and what you do, right? And if you just keep your, keep your eye on the prize and keep going, things do always work out, you know? My daughter is 16 years old, and she wants to be an actress. And she just got, in fact, she had her first practice last night for her first paid gig in a play, right? And that's what I, that's what I was saying to her yesterday. I said, as I dropped her off, I said, look, keep going forward, do your best and have fun. And if you do those things, everything will all work out. And I think that's so true about life. That's so true about life. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? Hmm. That's actually a very good question. Well, actually, I actually don't know how to answer that to be honest with you okay i always just pr- try to present myself as just like you know as the best version of myself that i can possibly be yeah and you know just basically what you see is what you get you know i'm always yeah. gonna is the, the, the nicest person the, the best person i can possibly be i'm always going to give my 100 all of what i've got when i'm on the stage i'd actually if there's something that's surprising about myself Something we haven't touched base on, I guess, is that I'm a huge basketball fan. You are? Uh, okay. Follow, yeah. The, the NBA season just started, and mm-hmm. I'm already right there. And I know there's going to be – might be a bit of a rivalry here, but I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan. You know, All right. Not far away from Milwaukee. Yeah, right down the road. And it's right down the road, Exactly. And I haven't had the chance to go to Chicago yet, but, of course, it's on my bucket list – to go to the United Center and watch a Chicago Bulls game. I've been fortunate to, when when I was in LA a couple of years ago, I got to see a Lakers game. Uh-huh. And I, I just love basketball. I played it as a kid okay. as well. I actually had to, I decided to make a choice because I was playing so much. And then, you know, as a musician, you know, with your fingers, you know, they're so important. I had a feeling, because I mean, I'm not the tallest guy. 
Okay. I'm around 5'10", 5'11". And, you know, for basketball, that's that's on the shorter end, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was always playing the point guard position in high school on my basketball team. And, yeah, I had to make a choice. And I thought music's definitely going to be something that's going to be my career path. So. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So who's your favorite? You said the Bulls are your favorite team. Who's your favorite player? Well, I was a huge – I'm still a huge fan of Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about the modern era. When he was in Chicago, obviously he's a he grew up in Chicago and and he you know playing he's not the he's what he's what six two six three I'm not yeah. even sure exactly what yeah that he's not that is. tall though yeah so again just the way he plays like that was the way I always tried to play um, obviously I was nowhere near athletic <laughs> as Derrick Rose not even close yeah but yeah he has always been a guy you know and obviously you know Michael Jordan and those guys you know obviously the goat. Yeah. Absolutely. Growing up as a kid, growing up in the 90s, I was obsessed with, like, how he played the game. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Yeah, but still looking at the, at the Bulls now, the way they're playing with DeMar DeRozan, Zach yeah. Levine, all guys, I'm just in awe. I just, yeah, I just well, love watching them as often as I can. I hope you get a chance soon to, to be in Chicago and check out the Bulls at the United Center. I've had l- the luxury of doing that. I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. I'm a homer, right? So, course, and yeah. I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder for the Bucks. So I have to, you know, in fact, I'll be going, well, I won't be going to night's game, but I'll be going Friday's game where I'll get a chance to see Giannis and the guys for the first time this season. So looking forward to that. So nice. yeah, I hope you get a chance to, 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 to experience the Bulls sometime in the very, very near future. So and we'll, yeah. let's let's take a listen to one more of your songs then, Alex. This is one of my other favorite artists, your remake of Sade's Sweetest Taboo.
that was Alex Churchill again with his remake of Sade's great song, Sweetest Taboo. So and that was actually Andrea Lisa's remake of, of that song. That was her arrangement. That was that was the old band I was in. That was her arrangement. And that's me playing keys and saxophone on there. All right. Great. Great. So so who are some of the artists that you're enjoying listening to right now? I'm always listening to Kirk Whalem. He's always at the top of my playlist. Uh-huh. Um, he's always somebody that I'm listening to all the time. I'm always listening to Alicia. I'm still listening a lot to the contemporary, you know, the pop scene that's out there today. I actually just stumbled across an artist um, two nights ago. His name's Jake with his, mm-hmm. his A. This is actually a, a V. There was a song of his called Golden Hour that's just like, it just blew my mind. So I'm still listening to a wide range of different music and artists that are out there today. Bob Reynolds is another favorite saxophonist of mine. Okay. Because he's another, I think my music is very similar to his in a way where he has these influences from jazz, like traditional straight ahead jazz, but also you've got more modern music, contemporary R&B, you know, that more modern sound. And of course, I'm always listening, you know, on my playlists to other saxophones that yeah. I absolutely love. Yeah. Good, 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 good. That's, you know, I'll have to check out some of those. Some of those. How do you find new, new, new artists? Is it, do you just stumble upon them or are you out searching for, for new music by different artists? It's a, it's a combination of it. So okay. sometimes it is accidentally stumbling across it. You know, with social media these days, you know, there's always something popping up yeah that's true and also my a good friend of mine um the drummer from that band i was in he is a walking talking music encyclopedia ah okay he his knowledge of music and and artists is outstanding and he would always say he's always hip to the new guys who are on the scene and he'd always just like message me and say yo listen to this guy check this guy out you know so it's also good to have even Andrea, like, occasionally sends me an artist, you know, she's come across, you know. We always, as musicians, we're always sharing with each other, like, who we're listening to. And mm-hmm. because we love to, how our art form is progressing and, you know, who we can draw fresh inspiration from. Because, obviously, everybody's taking their own unique approach yeah. into the way they perform and how they write their music. And, yeah, there's just so many incredible artists countless artists that are just so incredible and you know it's always good just you can learn you can learn anything from anybody and draw inspiration from absolutely anybody or anything so it's always good to just you know always just be just keep the the horizon very broad you know just listen yeah often as you can to everybody you can and that's one of the things i find to be a constant with really great musicians is that they consume all kinds of music well no matter what genre they might specialize in or, or or play most they're they're just voracious consumers of all types of music and that's really cool yeah absolutely and especially with this job i'm now doing with celebrity cruises we we cover absolutely every single genre i yeah. mean we could be doing a jazz show one night and then we could do a funk night and then we've got our soul and motown and then we can do something that's like broadway mm-hmm. like our musical and then we can do a classical show. Then we have opera. Um, then, then we've got a country music thing. Absolutely every single genre is covered. So yeah, um, you've, got, you've got to know your music. That's cool. For like that. That's really cool. So what would you say are your three favorite albums of all time? Definitely uh, Kirk Whalem, Babyface Songbook. Mm-hmm. Then Alicia Keys, 
her album, um, The Element of Freedom, that's one I always had that on repeat all okay. the time. Absolutely love that. Yeah. And a third, I really love Kirk Whalum's his latest record, Humanity. Mm-hmm. I've listened to that so, so much. And of course, Andrea Lisa's is on that album too. Yeah. Um, as a, as an artist and also one of her songs is on there as well. And yeah, I just love that album as a whole. Yeah. Kirk Whalum. Yeah. Cool. Just, pretty, pretty cool story behind that album too. How he put that one together. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So, Alex, you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu? Okay, so my guest list. So, three people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah. I would have my, my girlfriend, number one, because unfortunately, with the situation in the world, she's over in Russia right now, and it's very hard for her to travel and I things. I can so. imagine, yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. She would be my number one. Kirk Whalem, of course, would be my number two. All right. Number two. Yeah. And my third would be Barack Obama. Okay. All right. Oh, that'd be a cool party. That would be an amazing party. And yes, he's just obviously an incredibly inspirational person. And, you know, someone I really admired. I still admire, actually. That would be my top three. On the menu, my, my girlfriend is a pescatarian, so okay. we would be, we'd be having a lot of really nice, beautiful, fresh seafood, some really nice salmon. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe some shrimp and stuff like that. But then some really, I mean, I've just some different kinds of salads and, and things like that. But I think seafood would be the, the main feature of the menu. All right. That sounds like a pretty good party. My daughter's a pescatarian too, so... That sounds like a party she'd enjoy as well. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So Alex, tell everybody what else you've got going on in the upcoming year and where people can find information about you and your music. Sure. So I'm on social media, of course. My handle is at Alex Churchill Music. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I have my website is alexchurchillmusic.com. Fresh brand new website coming up soon. The singles that I've released are available on all social media and all of your favorite streaming platforms and wherever you get your music, my music's there. You just search for Alex Churchill and you'll find me. Um, But what's coming up this year, um, I'm going to be very busy um, with this uh, position and I'm going to be starting this musical director position. But I'm still, like I said, I'm going to be working on getting into this performance scene in the United States as much as I can. But just keep an eye on my website. If I have a show somewhere in a particular town or something, it'll be listed on my website. There's not much there right now, but yeah, on my website is where everything's happening. Fantastic. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for taking time to join us on the show today and and sharing a little bit about your career and your music. Um, I, I Like I said earlier, I have a sense that we're going to be hearing a lot more from you in the not-too-distant future. And so we're excited about that. And we wish you all the best and, and nothing but success, man. Hey, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Totally worth getting up this early for. Good. Honestly, these opportunities don't come very often for me. So whenever they do come, I just like, you just got to seize every opportunity you can take. So again, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all ours, man. All the best to you. And, and to you. Thank you so much. All right. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. 
We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 